The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 268th ever show of All Around Sports. Each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston, home of the newly minted Super Bowl champs, to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, Bizarre and bizarre news items and event of the weeks that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, we witnessed an all-time Super Bowl for the ages last night, and it was hands down the greatest ever, featuring the biggest comeback ever and the first ever Super Bowl overtime. For me personally, it capped off an amazing two weeks. It started in Orlando covering the Super Bowl week of golf with the PGA show and the Super Bowl-like Pro Bowl week, also in Orlando. They ran concurrently. And then arriving back in Boston early this week to soak up uh, the Super Bowl week, unfolding here in Boston for a little local flavor. So as you would expect, Boston and all of New England are going crazy today. And last night's astounding victory stands alone with only the Red Sox 2004 comeback over the Yankees and subsequent World Series win to break the curse in the same stratosphere as what we all witnessed last night. It's the 10th championship in 15 years here in the hub. Just remarkable. And, of course, the four major sports. And just to give you a local update, uh, the Long Pro Shop, Patriots Pro Shop at Gillette Stadium, Long Line formed, began at 6 a.m. this morning, and it is just literally, as we speak, wrapped around Gillette Stadium and the Pro Shop that sits right beside it. It's a two-hour wait to get in. Uh, the team is arriving tonight into Logan airport. That sounds like a four, four thirty. They should be getting to Gillette at about, uh, five 30. I hope to be there. It's literally 20 minutes from where I'm standing at this moment. And then tomorrow is the parade 
They have to have it tomorrow since a lot of the players leave on Wednesday. Scheduled for 11 a.m., and it should be great theater in that we are expecting horrible weather here in New England. Tomorrow, it's going to be starting as snow, going to sleet, then uh, ending in rain throughout the parade. It's be, The weather comes in around 6, 7 a.m. in the morning, so it is going to be a hot mess, but... Uh, after what we saw last night, uh, Patriots fans will be turning out in mass, despite the weather. I have no doubts. Well, obviously, my highlight of the week is the Patriots cementing their all-time legacy with the historic win. Brady and Belichick become the first coach quarterback to win five Super Bowls, beating out Chuck Knoll and Terry Bradshaw who I began covering uh, at the beginning of my career, uh, growing up in western Pennsylvania. So how lucky am I to have uh, covered two of the greatest dynasties in NFL history. Uh, Start with the Steelers, here with the Patriots now over the past 15 years, and it's just, uh, just been an amazing run, to put it mildly. And then, of course, Brady... Uh, becoming the first quarterback to win five Super Bowls, surpassing, obviously, Terry Bradshaw, who presented him the trophy last night. How wonderful was that? And Brady, of course, becomes the first. And then Joe Montana as well, head four. Let's not forget Joe Montana. And uh, then Brady, of course, becoming the first quarterback ever with four MVPs. And I could just go on and on and on the list. uh, I've been saying all year that, you know, every game is new history. Um, They're just simply uh, just amazing uh, all year long. Again, every single Sunday, it seems like is some new record, but nothing like the records that we saw last night. In my mind, uh, the play of the game was Dante Hightower, strip sack of Matt Ryan, which uh, deep in Atlanta territory, which led to a pretty quick touchdown for the Patriots, and the comeback was on. It really woke him up, and uh, just remarkable to see Dante Hightower. Of course, uh, you may remember a couple months ago, I went to his charity event right up the street. Uh, great guy, and uh, let's not forget he's the guy who tackled Marshawn Lanch on the play before Malcolm Butler made the interception two years ago. And I never thought that could be beat. I thought it was the all-time ending to any game, let alone the Super Bowl and a championship. But uh, last night beat it. There's just no other way to say it. And uh, that just makes it all the more sweet up here in New England. There were, of course, other amazing plays starting with the uh, Julian Edelman catch, which was just uh, I and millions of other New Englanders immediately thought of the David Tyree helmet catch. And it seemed, uh, so these things come full circle as uh, Edelman's amazing catch to keep that ball from touching the ground uh, was just remarkable to witness. James White had a huge game. Uh, Great to see from him. Very likable fellow. 
and it just uh, highlights the Patriots, uh, the Patriot way, and uh, winning by committee. You never know who exactly is going to step up, and just so many people stepped up. My low light of the week just has to be how Dan Quinn, the coach of the Falcons, and their quarterback, MVP Matt Ryan, just simply making bad choices. Uh, when they drove deep into New England territory, had the ball at like the 22, all they needed was a field goal, and the game was theirs, period. And they then allowed Ryan to get sacked. Uh, and then next play, there's a penalty. Holding and boom, before you know it, they're out of field goal range. And we all know what happened from there. So uh, they, they, they couldn't close. They didn't close. What else can you say? That game was theirs. And uh, all they had to do, the ball at the 22, field goal wins it. And they could have literally taken a knee and, you know, uh, just kicked the field goal and won the game. So it was just incredible to witness, but that's always what happens in these upsets. It's, you know, it's not one team that makes them occur. It's two. And my bizarre story of the week is just simply the microscopic margin of error with most of Brady's passes throughout the fourth quarter that came literally within inches or less of being intercepted. Uh, It just was incredible to witness uh, with everything on the line, how Brady just kept throwing those passes that were, again, an inch or more or so out of the reach of Atlanta defenders. It was just happening over and over and over again, which just speaks to the brilliance of Tom Brady and his, uh, you know, his confidence. And just firing it in there. Uh, it was just, every time he released the ball, it looked like it might be intercepted. And yet, none of them were. And all, in fact, all of them were completed, or so it seemed. So it was just remarkable to see. So a banner day here in New England. And speaking of banners, uh, just to whet your appetite for next football season, by total coincidence, the Falcons are on the Patriots' home schedule so opening night of the NFL when the Super Bowl banner won last night will be raised at Gillette Stadium. Uh, I'd say it's highly likely, if not in uh, guaranteed, that the Falcons will be the opponent. And what a night that's going to be in Gillette Stadium uh, in early September to open the NFL season. So as I referenced at the beginning of the uh, segment, I also attended the PGA show in Orlando, which again is the Super Bowl week of golf. Uh, It was amazing. It's something I've always wanted to go to. Uh, 40,000, repeat, 40,000 attendees. Uh, Countless, hundreds and hundreds of exhibitors uh, in the Orlando Convention Center, the Orange County Convention Center. And it was just a great week, way to start the week in Orlando. Uh, It was truly golf heaven with every imaginable business uh, involved in the great game of golf there. And just an electricity that was off the charts. And then that, of course, 
was happening at the same time as Pro Bowl week, as the NFL uh, held it in Orlando for the first time. And it was an amazing week with the Pro Bowl there as well. Uh, The combination, again, of the PGA show and the Pro Bowl was, uh, for me personally, as good as it gets. so many activities connected with Pro Bowl. It was like a, a mini Super Bowl week from, uh, you know, a women's summit to the AFC and NFC practices where the fans were 10, 12 deep, players giving autographs, uh, and just all kinds of other activities, you know, youth championships at all levels, punt, pass, and kick, flag football, women's football championships. Uh, Disney's Wide World of Sports was just uh, a buzz and alive with thousands and thousands of fans just pouring in there every single day for all the various activities. Uh, constant electricity all over Orlando. All you saw was just NFL jerseys from literally every city, every team. And it just made for a, uh, a magical week. So now, let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, so don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, and it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and A.P., how'd you like that game last night? I don't know if there's enough words to describe the heartbreak and the ecstasy. Exactly, exactly. Well, you're, you're based down south. I'm sure that uh, Atlanta and probably, uh, uh, to a large degree, the whole south is uh, suffering today because it was uh, really something to 
to see an Alzheimer, and again, I'm sure everybody in Atlanta is hurting today, big time, and probably throughout the South to a large degree. Yeah, Atlanta's a city with one championship. They were looking for a second, and they were fortunate to be in the, the Super Bowl, and all things were headed in the right direction, and then the total collapse. It was a collapse, and it's interesting to hear you say that. Of course, the big question today is, you know, I'm based here 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium in Boston, so, you know, did the Patriots win it or did the Falcons lose it, as in all games of this ilk? It's a little of both. Uh, But, yeah, I I, I said in the opening segment that I just uh, couldn't believe when they drove down to the 22-yard line and all they needed was a field goal that they then – Promptly on two downs, went backwards with a sack and a penalty. Knock them out of field goal range. I mean, basically, I thought it was over when they're at the 22. I just said, well, Matt Bryant, good kicker in a dome. I mean, this is over. They could have literally knelt on the ball, like in victory formation, you know, with five minutes to go and won the game with a field goal. And they just didn't do it. I, I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. John, when you watch football at different levels, that scenario occurs. The difference being that at the professional uh, level, it's inexcusable. When you practice as, as your profession and you know that a sack is, is way beyond just a negative play, it's a, a game-winning play for the other team if they can sack you and put you uh, in, in a position where you can't attempt a field goal. So that's number one. But, but I would say, John, that this game was a total team loss because the Atlanta Falcons' defense, if they had just stopped them on a two-point play, maybe, or one of the drives, uh, the game would have been over. And as you say, the offense, all they had to do was get in position to make the field goal, and the game would have been over. So when people try to point out that the offensive play calling was inept, maybe when it was third and one or when they called for the pass and they got sacked, I think there's... There's enough people on the entire organization that they're going to look back at this season and they're going to say, what could I have done to win this game? It's going to be more than one person. I don't know if Julio Jones could have done any more than he did, uh, perhaps. But some people are going to look back and they're going to question their effort and their, their judgment and their, and their wisdom uh, when they participate in that game. Yeah, this game, this, this kind of law sticks with you. I mean, you know. It's a, a lot of people last night were saying and to say that, you know, the Falcons are, you know, young team, they'll be back and all that. And we've heard that before. And it sometimes turns yeah. out that way, but not always. I mean, this is the kind of thing that can really, really uh, upend a, French, a franchise for the future. And we'll see what happens there. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, and you mentioned Julio Jones, who was nothing short of amazing. And that catch in the fourth quarter. First thing I thought of, like the first, I said in the first segment, first thing I thought of with Edelman's catch was the David Tyree catch. First thing I thought of with, uh, with you know, Julio Jones's amazing catch and pass, by the way, uh, yes. was, you know, the Mario Manningham catch to beat the Patriots a few years ago in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, tiptoeing along the sidelines and all that with the footwork and, uh, again, amazing pass a la Eli Manning. And at that moment in time, you know, I'll say it. I said, that's it. They lost. It's over. At that, when he caught that, I said, it's over. And yeah, I don't think I was alone. I think a lot of people thought that. And 
So Julio Jones and other Alabama players had a gigantic impact on the game. Yeah, John, they, they all played well and represented Alabama. And Dante Hightower was uh, uh, significant with his, his play that he made uh, against Matt Ryan and, and Courtney Upshaw for Atlanta. They were all played on that team that really won the championship in uh, 2010 in January against Texas. So they're all part of that group, and so they're used to winning championships and performing in big games, and they played well. So people from Alabama had to be happy uh, either way. Yeah. Well, I didn't realize, you know, obviously I knew all three were from Alabama, but I forgot that those three played on the same team. Played on the same team, you sure did. Oh, my gosh. Well, AP, not everybody would know that, but you certainly do. Uh, well, Courtney Upshaw had, you know, a huge sack in that game. I immediately thought of you. And then, uh, you know, Dante Hightower, whose charity event I attended in uh, October and talked about on this show right up the street from me. You know, I really, really was impressed with him. And he, you know, he really made the play of the game. I mean, Edelman's catch is in, a, you know, a separate category. But Dante Hightower's, without that play, and Belichick said it too, the Patriots do not win the game. That woke him up. That made it seem like that they could actually win at that moment when I think, being honest here, I don't think anybody thought they were going to win until that play or even had a chance. No, that that's what gave them the we have a chance, uh, you know, push. They continue to keep competing. So, yeah, Dante, he, he was like that as a freshman. He came in, I think the first game I watched him play, made an interception. I think it was against Clemson, actually. And uh, he was a star from the beginning. And he's a very serious young guy, and he's smart, and he's dedicated, and he's he's, he's a that uh, personification of the smart, tough football player that Bill Belichick always mentions when he's drafting. Yeah, and he's he's you know now moved into the realm of special player. Uh, let's not forget. I also said this in the first segment. Uh, he made perhaps the most underrated play in maybe Super Bowl, if not football history by tackling Marshawn Lynch on first down from the one-yard line in the Super Bowl two years ago. And without that play, Malcolm Butler never happens. And yeah. without his play last night, that comeback never happens. So, I mean, you, those are just beyond signature plays. They're seismic plays. Yeah, yeah they're not the play maybe everybody remembers, as you mentioned. But the football players in the league, the coaches, uh, his family and friends, of course, they're going to say, yeah, how about my, my man, Dante, in the Super Bowl? Two defensive plays that were crucial. Exactly. And let's not forget, by the way, bringing down Dante, uh, Marshawn Lynch single-handedly alone, you know, with the Super Bowl <laughs> on the line at the one-yard line, not an easy task. Not exactly a player that gets tackled by one guy. So, Yeah. He's clearly the defensive leader, by the way, for, for those who may not know, and I know because I'm right here in New England. Uh, you know, he calls the signals. He has become the heart and soul of that defense. Uh, he is the, the key player. He's the, quote, captain. He's the Brady of the defense, and Belichick clearly just loves him. And I think he's up to be re-signed. I don't think there's any doubt he will be re-signed. He will be the top priority 
of Patriot signings this offseason because he is uh, he's a star and a special player. When a play needs to be made, he's the guy making it on defense. So that, that, that just says it all right there. Yeah, and, and also, Johnny, he's a fabulous teammate. He's someone you want in the huddle at the end of the game in these difficult moments when you're faced with tremendous adversity. He's not going to crumble. He's going to rise to the occasion, which he's done many times. Uh, and the folks in New England are, are quite aware of his, his uh, talents. Yeah, well, what I was saying last night, and I'm sure many, many others were, was just, you know, as the fourth quarter was, you know, just rolling along there, uh, you, I, I just kept saying, well, the pa- somebody on the Patriots has to make a play. And that was the, he was the guy, and that was the play. And then, you know, it just all unfolded from there. And, uh, yeah, it was great. But, you know, Julio Jones, I mean, he was just, uh, he, he is really, uh, again, a truly special player. Uh, you know, I feel bad for Matt Ryan today, having watched him at Boston College, as likable a guy yeah. as you'll find in all of sports. And But right beside him, I feel bad the most, but the player I feel just as bad for is Julio Jones because, again, he... There were just moments during that game when he seemed to dominate. When they earlier in the game, when they hit him two with two or three straight passes, uh, you know he, he's unstoppable when he gets going. Yeah, John, I think they maybe forgot about him a little bit. Perhaps if, when they're going to look back at the film and say, "Why don't we try his number one more time, a few, or a few more times?" But that's that's life. Uh, you have to live with those decisions. There's nothing you can do. But Julio, ever since I've known him. Uh, that was his main uh, philosophy as a player. I want the ball. I want to make the play for my team. I expect to make the play for my team. He told me that when he was 15 years old. So that was nothing new. And I told people that he always plays well in big games, and this would be no different. And, and he did yesterday. He sure did. And, you know, what I thought was really one of the best visuals of the night on that incredible catch in the fourth quarter on the sidelines they showed a view from behind Matt Ryan, and Matt Ryan had said, I don't care if you're open, I'm going to throw you the ball after, during the playoffs earlier, before Super Bowl week. And he was completely covered, Julio Jones. Like they showed Matt, you know, Matt Ryan, all he could see, and I assume you saw that replay, all, he, all you could see was the Patriot defender, one, behind, one in front, one behind, so the pass is nothing short of remarkable and only surpassed by the actual catch of the footwork and on the fingertips. There was not an inch either way that it could have gone with that that play works uh, other than exactly what happened. So that was just remarkable to me. Yeah, you cannot put a value on the confidence that a receiver like Julio Jones breathes in a quarterback. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, there's Matt Ryan doesn't throw that ball to anyone else, and I don't know that anyone else makes that catch either. It was the, literally the perfect play. Had they won the game, that would be the, their play of the game, without a doubt. No question in my mind. Yeah, that was it was unbelievable. He came through in the clutch as he always has done in high school, college, and on a professional level. So, but. Uh, I don't think Julio. I think Julio will sleep well. You know, slept well last night because he did everything he could possibly do on the football field when the ball was thrown in his direction. Oh, no doubt, no doubt about that. Wait, P, hard to believe. Uh, 
that, we got to the end of our first segment in uh, what seemed like record time. We were, there's just so much to talk about. We have a lot more to chew on, and we'll do so after this break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., we closed last night, last segment by talking about uh, Julio Jones and, and some of the other Falcons and Alabama players who had such an impact last night. But, uh, you know, the Falcons, uh, again, uh, Despite the crushing loss, you know, Dan Quinn right on down the line just stood up and, you know, handled it like men. And I was very impressed with their post-game reaction. John, the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan and Dan Quinn and, and the host of other players, they should be commended in this day and age because a lot of young players, when things don't go their way, and I've seen it, I've been in locker rooms, they will not talk to the media. They will not stand up, and it, when the times uh, are not going in their f- favor, so they should be uh, commended, and people should be reminded of the class they displayed in that loss. Absolutely, uh, you know we've seen it before, where it doesn't always uh, turn out that way after a game, after a Super Bowl especially, and. Uh, yeah, Matt Ryan, he is just, again, I had the good fortune to witness him play here at Boston College 20 minutes down the road numerous times. Took BC to number two in the country, and uh, yeah, he, he stood up last night. I mean, he had to be crushed. Uh, you know, when he was leaving the field, it, 
it was a far away view of him, you know, kind of into his helmet. I mean, it, it looked like he was crying. I wouldn't blame him if he did. If ever someone had a right to cry, it would have been him. I'm not sure if he was or wasn't, but that was my first thought when I saw the, the shot. And, uh, yeah, he is a class act. And, uh, you know, I wish him the best. And as you may have heard at the end of the first segment, uh, it's amazing that uh, the Falcons are on the Patriots' home schedule already. That's in, that's in the bag. That was announced months ago. Uh, one of the five teams coming into Gillette Stadium, non-AFC East teams. and So, AP, in my mind, I think we got the uh, season opener when the Patriots raised the banner already in the bag, don't you? I believe so, and the, the yeah. Falcons will have to sit there and watch and knowing that it could have been them raising the flag. Exactly. If my calculations are correct, it'll be uh, the Thursday after Labor Day, which I think is Thursday, September 8th. And uh, put it this way, AP, I already put it, I already put it in my calendar this morning because uh, <laughs> that, that game is definitely happening. And it's only, uh, and I don't think there's any question that the NFL will choose uh, the Falcons as the opponent. I mean, they, they'd have to. It would be very un NFL like not to choose them, and yeah, it's uh, actually uh, yeah, it's actually Thursday night, September seventh. So uh, I and millions of others uh, will be marking their calendar because that's going to be a special night, no doubt about it. Uh, banner raisings are never to be taken for granted. I've had the good fortune to be at. Five of them, hard to believe, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and you know the, they're special. They really are. So I can't wait for that one. I think it's going to be extra special. Yeah, you should never regret attending those ceremonies that you, and thinking, "Well, I can wait till next year because next year hasn't happened in so many places." Well, exactly right. Exactly right. And you know, maybe the best part of all AP—not to sound greedy or anything—but you know. This train continues to roll up here in New England. I mean, there's no reason today sitting here, none whatsoever, to believe that, you, you know, the Patriots are, uh, you know, not going to be right back here next year. I mean, of course they are. We There's no reason why they wouldn't be, unless they don't sign Dante Hightower, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So they can make another play in the Super Bowl. But John, right, but, yeah, but they will. Oh, yeah, they will. They most certainly will. But, John, that leads me to speak about Bill, Bill Belichick and his organization. They have a culture. They know how to draft talent. They are excellent coaches. And if you look at the receivers uh, of the Patriots, what a talent evaluator would say, well, I can get to the Super Bowl with this group. I mean, it's very unique, the way their, their philosophy. You know, most people are trying to get a Julio Jones, but they have a, a different uh, uh, style and they're drafting people so they can pay them on the margin but yet they're winning tough smart football players well they really are and you know uh, you know never more evident than last night I mean so many players made plays Danny Amendola Edelman of course Chris Hogan although okay. he didn't have his greatest game last night did make one really really important catch uh, late in the game, uh, it seemed like they all did, and uh, you know he of course had the uh, AFC Championship game. Uh, you know, 
nine catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. So the best ever postseason performance by a Patriots receiver. And I had the pleasure to interview him. He has turned into a major story. And he was there again last night, as they are Martellus Bennett. But really, I think the player of the game, uh, you know, aside from, of course, Tom Brady, would really have to have been James White. He, yes. he just was everywhere at the end, you know, be it the two-point conversion, the direct snap, the winning score in overtime, no small matter. Oh, by the way, that brings up another point, you know. And we all do this, and it's true to a certain degree. You know, when they drew within two touchdowns, it was, uh, you know, everybody, myself included, was saying, you know, okay, it's a two-score game. And then when they scored, okay, it's a one-score game. But it's not really true because, you know, both of them had to have two two-point conversions. And as I'm sitting there, myself calling it a two-score game, the reality is it's really a four-score game. It just is. I mean, <laughs> scoring from the two-yard line is no slam dunk. Uh, so I think that that needs to be stated, that that was remarkable to not only score two touchdowns, but to also score the two two-point conversions. Yeah, yeah, that was another chance for Atlanta's defense on one of those four plays to stop the Patriots. Right. It, exactly. The Patriots, you know, they came up with the plan. They had the, the well-designed plays, and they executed, and that's why they're the champion. Yeah, and on the one two-point conversion, you know, Danny Amendola, the way he, like, powered in there, huge. I mean, not, it reminded me of Antonio Brown's play against the Ravens on Christmas night to uh, get the Steelers their postseason bid and AFC North Championship. And uh, so, yeah, it was just remarkable. And by the way, the other thing here, AP, is, you know, the Atlanta defense was simply gassed. I think I heard this morning Patriots ran 96 plays to 40-something for Atlanta. Remarkable number uh, in every in every way. But, you know, when the Patriots got the ball down eight, <laughs> I won't say one score, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, I had full confidence that they would drive the field because I felt Atlanta's defense was gassed. When they did that, with still a minute to spare. I mean, that's like they did it easily. They had 338 or thereabouts when they got that ball there. Yes. And so when they won the coin toss in overtime, I mean, my first words were, it's over. There was no doubt in my mind whatsoever that not only were they going to drive the field and score, they were going to drive the field, get a touchdown, and win the game. I had no, no doubts whatsoever. And Brady, at that point, was just... Uh, you know, on a roll, to put it mildly. Yeah, he was in the rhythm at that point, John, and then when they got near the goal line, there was no Dante Hightower stopping somebody on the one-yard line. There you go. You know, and when you look at the film, AP, you can see, like, as the game went deeper and deeper right through the course of the very last play in overtime, the Atlanta defenders were just so... They were in disbelief as to what was happening. You could see from their body language with each of those, in effect, <coughs> we'll call it five scores. There was, you know, three touchdowns and two two-point conversions, and after every one, their Atlanta defense's body language shows more and more disbelief and frustration, and all with good reason. Um, the other thing, AP, that I mentioned in my first segment, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people saw this, but I couldn't get over it, 
especially from a Patriot point of view, was how close Atlanta defenders were to intercepting any one of what seemed like a half a dozen or more of Brady's passes in that fourth quarter. Were you picking up on that? Wasn't that amazing? Like an inch. Yes, his accuracy was uncanny. I mean, it was was hard to watch. And you're thinking, well, Atlanta's going to tip one. They're going to intercept one. But he he made the plays with his passing was so accurate and his mind boggling really and that you know that's why he's considered the greatest quarterback or, or some people say one of the greatest quarterback it's always Joe Montana I think is the name of the other other name that comes up quite frequently but but uh, Tom Brady he's been in those situations so he's not nervous or flustered or uh, his um, his performance has not changed he's gonna he's gonna throw the same pass whether he's up twenty or down twenty. Yeah, and I mean, you know, what chutzpah to just let it fly like that? I mean, literally, I swear, on like eight of the last ten passes of that game, the moment he released it, he just let it fly. I was thinking, you know, uh, just interception. I mean, the, the Atlanta defenders were right there. And on those out patterns to the sidelines, and it's just like they were missing the Atlanta defenders' fingertips by an inch or two on numerous occasions. I couldn't get over it. Uh, Not to mention, you know, uh, the ball in the middle that got batted up and, and, you know, could have been intercepted. Obviously, the Julian Edelman catch. There were three Atlanta defenders right there. I'm literally showing a replay of it right now, right on cue. And uh, so, yeah, the margin of error was zero. Zero. Yeah, John, their, their mentality, someone like Tom Brady, part of the equation is they know they can lose, but, but that's a smaller number for them than most people. They're thinking about, I can win. So Correct. It's different. That, that, that's the difference in people. I mean, do they have fear? Oh, yes. Do they, but they manage their fear, and they're trying to uh, come up with the winning play, not the losing play. So they just keep competing, uh, and that's something in in the in the person's DNA that when you're drafting, you're evaluating talent. Bill Belichick and his staff, they look for those types of players. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, quarterbacks that can make those throws. Uh, I don't doubt it at all. But in a Super Bowl game with everything on the line, all the chips in the center of the table, who do you want throwing that football? There's only a few people playing the game, you know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady, you know, Matty, Matty, Matt Ryan, if he's going to get in that category, but, you know, someday. Uh, right. But that, that's their mentality. I mean, I, I don't think the average person really understands how Tom Brady can make those throws, but that, that's in his um, psychological makeup as a player, as a competitor. Exactly right, and well said, AP. You know, I think we can close out our discussion of the Super Bowl by saying quite simply, Brady has never been better than the fourth quarter and obviously the overtime last night. Ever. Ever. I've never seen him more pinpoint ever. And this, oh, by the way, comes after, you know, after he had thrown his first ever pick six uh, in a postseason game, which that we're all, we're all going to remember that shot of him on the bench, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> to come we, back we from sure. that. Yeah, and the picture of him when he's trying to make the tackle and he's on the on the turf, and and you could see yeah. him, uh, the defensive back going in for the touchdown. That's a if, if Atlanta had won the game, that that's a picture you'd put up uh, in the headline. 
Oh, yeah, that and the Julio Jones catch would have been the uh, two visuals for everybody from that game. And, again, been Brady sitting on the bench immediately following that pick six uh, with his – you couldn't even see his face. He was so hunched over. It was literally the most dejected he's ever appeared in his entire career, period. Way P, it's been great talking about it. We have a few more things to get to, specifically National Signing Day and uh, – that's a big event, uh, to say the least. Uh, it was last Tuesday. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about there. We'll do so on the other side of this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And uh, before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is the upcoming AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Always a great event. Typically follows the Super Bowl. And on the heels of uh, the PGA show that I attended in Orlando uh, in Again, on the heels of the amazing uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open that concluded yesterday with extra holes and whatnot, uh, uh, golf is back, and I love watching golf uh, here in Boston in the winter. Uh, watching golf on TV always warms me up, So, and no place better than AT&T, uh, this side of Augusta, so... AP, uh, just before we get started on National Signing Day, I mentioned, you know, I was at the PGA show in Orlando, and I know you love your golf, and AP, it was a remarkable, remarkable event. Uh, 40,000 attendees, <laughs> hundreds and hundreds, 40,000, I know, hundreds and hundreds, uh, just <laughs> exhibits as far as the eye could see, hundreds and hundreds of exhibitors. It was truly golf heaven. Uh, the Super Bowl of golf is how I would term it. Uh, it was a remarkable couple of days in Orlando, uh, to say the least. So 
I highly recommend you add that one to your bucket list. Yeah, it sounds like a very good event, and being in Orlando is not so bad in itself. Exactly, and everybody, uh, you know, not to mention, you know, famous golfers everywhere from, you know, Bubba Watson to Colin Montgomery. You couldn't walk the floor without looking up and seeing a PGA pro, it seemed, or a brand name. Uh, it was just so well handled. I've been to a lot of trade shows in my life and some pretty big ones, but nothing has ever come close to the PGA show for both the size, the scope, and the topic. It was golf. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, exactly. They call it the, uh, you know, the, the major of golf business, and then that certainly uh, describes it perfectly. And so much going on. Again, there was the Pro Bowl going on in Orlando at the same time as the PGA show, so it was uh, a remarkable week to be in Orlando. And, uh, but no sooner did that end than we had uh, one of college football's biggest day, which is, of course, February 1st and uh, National Signing Day. Yeah, John, once again, Alabama dominated, came, coming up with the number one class. And just to give you an idea, John, uh, Alabama used to go into Louisiana when Coach Bryant was there and, and get a player or two. They got Tommy Wilcox with a safety at Alabama, two-time All-American. They hadn't been able to get players since he left, which is 1982, until Nick Saban arrived on the scene. And he signed five players from Louisiana. Three were five-star players. Two or four star players. I mean, he's just not getting somebody uh, from the state of Louisiana. He's getting the top players from the state. So uh, it was incredible what they did. Uh, they have the quarterback from Hawaii, uh, outstanding players in the challenge, Jalen Hurts, believe it or not, uh, Tui uh, Tagovailoa. I, I'm sure I'm not saying his name exactly uh, the right way, but that's the way I say it at the moment. But then they went out and got Najee Harris, the number one player overall, regardless of position, running back from Antioch, California, uh, the state's top defensive line lineman up in Huntsville, defensive end. Uh, I was at a, a signing that took place in at Robert E. Lee High School. Henry Ruggs III with the wide receivers choosing between Alabama and Florida State. He's someone who hasn't played a lot of football, played it one game as a freshman, played basketball. He didn't play his sophomore year of football. The next couple of years, he was the 7A back of the year in the state of Alabama. Very elusive, good hands. He's going to play early, probably maybe return some punts, kickoffs, besides playing in the slot. So that, the only position where Nick Saban was not totally satisfied, he, he felt he needed uh, more cornerbacks. So he's already on top of the 2018 best cornerbacks around the country. So I'm sure they'll end up with, with a few of those next year for that class. But Alabama, he's incredible, the way he recruits. Believe it or not, Saban, he speaks that he loves developing relationships, and that's why he, he loves recruiting. So for someone who thinks he's not a person who gets along with people, that he came out and said, you know, I love developing relationships. So it's all about the business of getting better talent to the University of Alabama than Nick Saban is right on the ball. Indeed he is. Uh, it's amazing. Um and yeah, yeah, obviously I watched it all closely and, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the usual teams had their, their big days, Ohio State and, of course, Alabama. 
uh, wins it again, as they, as they say. So it's great to see. It really is. Uh, now, Najee Harris, was there some, like, you know, question as we got to the final weeks? Did I see something uh, a couple weeks back before signing day that something was happening with him? Well, Najee uh, was trying to fend off Michigan. Jim Harbaugh, he's a relentless uh, recruiter, and uh, Najee ended up visiting Michigan with his uncle and his mother, but he had committed to Alabama in the spring of uh, his going into his junior year, so Alabama was able to hang on to him for almost two years. But yes, I think Michigan was a serious player, but Najee always told me when I visited him in uh, Antioch, California, that he wanted to compete against the best. The SEC at the moment is considered to be the best conference, maybe not this past season, but overall uh, for a number of years. So I was very confident that he would be coming to Alabama, and he's very shy with the media. He, He doesn't like to really discuss himself. He'd rather talk about his teammates. So he played a little game, you know, when they were trying to ask him, when you get on the plane from San Antonio after playing in the Army All-Star game, where are you headed? So people were on the on the watch, and he ended up in Tuscaloosa, and his roommate is the quarterback from Hawaii. Oh, wow. Okay, well, he did the right thing. Good for him. And, uh, yeah, so uh, final note as we get down to two minutes here. I, I mean, I noticed Penn State had a big... Uh, did well. I think they finished top 10. And who who are the other big winners in your mind? Oh, USC had a, had a good good uh, signing class. Um, Ohio State. You know, I think it's the, the normal players, uh, John, who came up with the best signing class. And, and now it's a question of what do you do when these players get to campus? Right. Exactly. Um... Should be interesting, to say the least. Uh, well, Alabama, they do it again, so I think we can uh, expect to be seeing them again, obviously, in, uh, uh, you know, the, the playoff, the college football playoff system, needless to say. But it's just great. Uh, uh, you and I, we're both pretty lucky, AP. We, we seem to, you know, we're covering two of the greatest teams in sports. Not only sports, but in sports history, we really are. So, yeah, both, John, uh, yeah, right. John, you said it, you said that correctly. We sure are. We're very lucky, very fortunate. Yeah, and we both live in the backyard. You in Alabama, me at Foxborough, and uh, again, it's awesome. So let's keep the good times rolling, AP. <laughs> That's what they say in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at here we are the day after the Super Bowl, and I'm already talking about the Patriots banner night. For the opener against probably the Falcons, and you're looking, if I'm not mistaken, at Alabama opening against Florida State in the new Atlanta Stadium. Is that correct? That's correct. It sure is. Should should be quite a game. There you go. Who needs summer? Let's get to the fall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, AP. Well, as always, great job. Appreciate your calling in. Your great perspective, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. All right. Wonderful having you. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.
Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week. We'll be right back.